0: Well, hello, friends, and welcome to On Grace. I'm here with Broadway's version of Peanut Butter and Jelly, <laughs> Mr. Wayne Hunter and Mr. Wendell Van Valen, making the magic happen as always. How are you, friends?
1: I'm good. <laughs> I have nothing to follow that with. I'm sorry. Totally blank. I'm Wayne, and I'm, glad- I'm just glad to be here. Yeah, this is Wendell. I'm
2: not sure if I'm Peanut Butter or Jelly <laughs> or... Would that make you the bread, J.B.?
0: (laughs) I'm the knife that spreads the wisdom. Good,
2: good, good. (laughs) Well, since you're the knife, kick us off today, dude.
0: Yes, so uh, for those of you who don't know, I also serve as youth pastor here to some very high-quality students and really love sharing life with them and hearing and seeing what God is doing in their lives. One of my responsibilities is uh, to share with them on Sunday morning and Recently, we began to talk about, think about um, the Holy Spirit, specifically Pentecost and went backwards into the Old Testament and not the moment where God's spirit dwells in the tabernacle, but all of the preparation before that. So essentially all of the chapters that you skip there's right. this meticulous. Yes, I don't skip uh, chapters. No, about no, you don't. But the rest of us, uh, no, normal people, <laughs> uh, in in those chapters that you skipped, there, there are meticulous instructions on measurements and materials, and methodology on preparing the the tent, the tabernacle. There's what type of wood to use and the, uh, how how it's measured and. Um, how it's how it's prepared and uh, all, all of this so that the place that they will create is worthy of the presence of God. So I picture, you know, some craftsmen measuring this out and uh, getting it wrong and you know having to <laughs> having to go back and redo it because it has to be perfect. And how often we treat people as though or assume about ourselves, as though they also have to be perfect in order for the presence of God to, to dwell in them or on them, uh, in order for them to experience grace, right. they have to be perfect, whether that's perfect materials or perfect measurements or perfect methodology. Right. And so how often we have, um, taken the meticulous instructions to make this place worthy, and applied that to people, so then people who are inherently imperfect right. uh, aren't allowed to experience grace or aren't allowed to have grace, or conversely, we recognize that we're not perfect, mm-hmm. and so we don't allow ourselves right. to experience grace or believe that God is with us.
1: Yeah. And I think it's that grace that creates a space where people with rough edges and broken parts and who have faded out or whatever uh, are acceptable, and and I think the question of the whole question of worthiness it has been done away with. And in the Old Testament, there was this argument or this discussion about if, if you touch some if you're unclean and you touch something that's holy, uh, do you make it unholy? And The bottom line in the New Testament is if something is holy touches something that is unclean, the holiness is the more powerful, and it transfers its holiness to what is unclean rather than the other way around. And so there's this sense in which worthiness is not exactly uh, even the issue anymore, because grace has created this place where unclean, imperfect, can come into the presence of holy and be changed. It's about, I think, about change. Grace is about acceptance, as we are, but also about the possibilities of what that grace can do in us. You, you opened by <clears throat> saying you were doing a study on Pentecost and and, uh,
2: and went backwards with it in time chronologically, but you think about who was present in that room um, in Pentecost and who was waiting. And it's it's always struck me at the last part of all the Gospels how Jesus purposefully kind of set up scenarios and had conversations that deconstructed his disciples, the ones that he had picked to start the church. At the very end, he said there are betrayers in our midst, deniers, scatterers, braggers, arguers, doubters. I mean, he, he, he purposefully brought all that out in the open in that Last Supper. And And ta-da, it all took place. Every bit of it came true. And so they had to be, we're not worthy. We're the epitome of not worthy. So he didn't just leave them as they were. Fishermen who were stumbling along to understand him as the son of God, he actually pushed it past that to, no, we're deniers and betrayers and not good people, you know. And then he says, go wait. And so then the presence of God, grace personified comes at pentecost and they didn't get dribbles and drops they were full i mean the 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 terminology there in the second chapter of acts luke's words i mean this was an ex this was a complete divine invasion on these people which goes completely opposite from the old testament right not yeah. the invasion part but just the no this has nothing to do with perfection right. or worthiness yeah
1: And from there, it just starts to spread out to all the people who are unworthy, to Gentiles and people who had always been excluded. Now they are acceptable. If acceptable is even the right word, now they are included in grace. And maybe there's a, you know, this is kind of a thought, not a good one, but it's a thought. Uh, Maybe the whole idea of measuring is... Um, not helpful to us is is maybe grace releases us from the need to measure whether we're good enough or be- even whether we're better than we used to be. Maybe that's not even the issue. The issue is that, that grace is this presence of God that meets us in our vulnerability, who makes himself available to us. And so even, even the idea of, of measuring how we're doing is contrary to grace. It sounds, you know, we like to measure. We like to know how well we're doing. We want a grade. Uh, We want to know if we're better than we used to be. But maybe that whole idea is a distraction from how we're called to be. Uh, This caught me off guard because I hadn't thought about the thought of
2: measure. But if, if you look like what you said, JB, about the meticulous measurements that they had to take in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, a lot of times this that this is the only one that comes to me, maybe you all can think of other ones. But when Jesus was asked about grace in terms of forgiveness, he gives this preposterous number right. to Peter. Right. You know, he takes what we would call a measurement and he says, If you want to measure, here you go. Yeah. But if you're yeah. keeping track that many times, you're not really forgiven. Right. So the idea of measurement was not only not used, it was almost scoffed at. Yeah. Like really? You're gonna right. measure that? Right. There may be some other things he said as yeah. well, but that comes to my mind. It's a good, yeah, yeah. Y'all think of any others? I mean, I can't think of any others. I,
1: not right off.
0: Well, I, th- I mean, there's this whole idea of the mark of the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you are, if you are of Israel, then you're you're circumcised. if yeah, you're yeah, If yeah, you're a yeah, male, yeah. and yet, right after Pentecost, yeah. Philip encounters an Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so. Yeah. 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 Yeah, in two words, Ethiopian and eunuch. They're essentially saying, or Luke's essentially saying, he he cannot have the mark of the covenant. Right. Right. So and and yet now, rather than being left out of grace, being left out of because of how he's measured, Mm. now he's in.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah, and that whole idea of uh, and and it's in our culture, especially I don't know. This idea of, am I good enough, we ask ourselves and each other over and over, you know, am I good enough, or am I smart enough, or am I pretty enough, uh, those kind of things. All that has to do with measuring, uh, and, and measuring has to do with comparing, I think, uh, either to a standard or to the people around us, and comparison is not part of grace. Grace uh, exempts us or delivers us, liberates us. From the need to compare ourselves to someone else and i think and i think to measure ourselves by a standard or uh to see if we're good enough to receive grace because that's just contrary to the nature of it i thought of another number this may not have <laughs> <laughs> but jesus tells
2: the parable of the of the sheep you know he's got 100 one guy's got 199 is pretty good but he's got one that's lost obviously a rogue sheep probably has done this before really do we want that sheep in the flock you know if he's calculating and measuring he's thinking nah you know yeah. as a as a businessman here is you know right and, and yet he throws caution to the wind and just says everything in my heart says i want to go get that sheep right you know? so i that's that's a stretch but
0: no, I don't think it's a stretch. I never thought of that as like the sheep that always does this crap. <laughs> right. He's always getting away, and we would be so, we'd be yeah. glad to be rid of this yeah. sheep. And yet, and that's yeah.
1: the that's the whole story of Israel in the Old Testament. They are a rogue sheep that just keep wandering away over, yeah. and, over yeah. and over and over again, and God keeps going out and finding them.
2: Yeah. It. The further I go into this grace thing, the. L- I, I think God is just reckless. He's, yeah. He's so not calculated. Right. And like, really, that is not prudent, God. Yeah. That is not good business
1: practice or that is, you know. It, yeah. He doesn't think in those terms. Yeah,
2: punch it into your calculator. How many times are you going to do this right. before you learn it's not going to work? And he says, it may work this time. Yeah. You know, I'm going Car. after him again.
1: And, and I think there's some sense which I don't care if it works or not. I love him. I can't help it, but keep seeking and lavishing grace, waste it on them if yeah. need be, in order because that's just how I care about them and who and who I am. And and you know, there's I think for us if we get to that place, there's this great freedom in that. that as got, the recipients, you mean? As recipients and yeah. as the givers. Oh sure, yeah. That yeah. I don't have to decide where is it going to be effective for me to offer grace. Is it going to make a difference in this person's life? Where can I? should I uh, use my resources? But just extend grace to every person we meet and let that be our lifestyle. And if it works, whatever works means, you know, how do we know? How do we even measure that? Um, but if we have this, this devotion to Jesus and this love for people and just live like that and not... You don't have to have seven habits or a certain outcome or produce a certain uh, result. Of course, that's good for me because I'm kind of a a slacker anyway, so it it works pretty good for me.
0: (laughs) No, I I definitely see that. Well, and both of you have seen that. I had the uh, pleasure of hanging out with Wayne at a conference very recently and I mean without fail, when we would move from one place to another place, we would have to stop and look back because Wayne had made a friend. <laughs> Wayne was Wayne was talking to somebody and uh, you know, it's typically like Well hey, how are you today? Where are you from? And, and then and then it went from there. Yeah. To gonna, Nashville's gonna pay you next time. So. <laughs> to leave. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, I think There's this—I think that um, grace allows us to see the connection we have with every person, that we are all in this together. Uh, And if we can get to that place and get past the awkward and and the measuring, you know, is this a person that I want to know? Is this a person who might be interesting to me? Is this a person who will respond and just— say so, yeah this is a person and so there's a connection there between us i think i think that's what grace does
2: i think grace is just fascinated with humanity not right what kind of human right grace yeah. is just fascinated with humanity and and uh, jb and i were in a, a session sunday where we talked about listening to people and hearing people and one person said well i like to hear people because i'm because what i learn from it and somehow that struck me I thought, no. It it's it's almost like I just want to assimilate your knowledge into mine. That's what you're good to me.
0: Yeah. That's how come I value oh, you. That's good. I hadn't and I about think that. there's
2: I think there's something to be said just about being fascinated with another person because they're a person. Right. And there's this curiosity, there's this fascination, there's this
1: yeah. obsession, if if you you right. know, yeah, that's really good. This desire to understand them just for the sake of knowing them, not because it adds to my right. wealth of knowledge.
2: Right. Right. Because when you're doing that, you're measuring how, you know, right. like from that person I got, yeah, six volumes of whatever. And that person right. I just got one. Well, I'll hang out with a high volume, right, wise person. Right. Yeah. That's where true. It, It's uh Yeah. Every human is fascinating if you
1: let them be. Yeah. And connected to us, I think.
2: Yes.
0: Hey, thanks for being a part of this conversation on Grace. I'm Jason Brown. I've been hanging out with Wendell Van Veenlin and Wayne Hunter. The three of us serve together at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling.